That's it. I'm going fishing. W-E-G-L, Auburn. Hey, everyone. This is Trey Atkins alongside Campbell Garbert, Jack Vesey, and Graham Copeland. Welcome to the Barners Before Bed Show, Wednesdays at 10 p.m. on Weagle 91.1 FM. You're home for late-night Auburn athletic coverage from a fan's perspective each hump day. War Eagle. And with that, we bring you episode 39 of Barners Before Bed on a very March-esque weather night here in Auburn, Alabama, Monday, February 26th. I'm Trey Atkins here, joined alongside Jack Vesey and Graham Copeland, no garb tonight from Nashville, but glad to have y'all back, fellas. Good to see y'all's faces again here in the stew. Glad to be back. Yeah, and uh, speaking of the warm basketball weather, it's coming up to my favorite time of the year, which is beach weather and basketball weather, spring basketball weather, tournament basketball weather, and things are heating up, and uh, a good bounce-back win for the Auburn Tigers this past Saturday, taking care of business against rival Georgia on the road at Stegman. A lot of Georgia fans were a little on edge due to the amount of uh, Tigers that made their way over to Athens, including our very own Luke Ellis, who may have been at Silver Dollar, but nonetheless, there was an orange and blue presence there. All-around great showing. Great to see Aiden Holloway find his groove a little bit in the game. And also some other guys step up as well. We saw Chad, I mean, from... From when I was watching, Chad looked very comfortable in that starting role. You know, Janai responded to that early, what would you call that? Not a brouhaha, just a little chest-to-chest, face-to-face, double T, kind of soft from Pat Adams, but shocker. I mean, this is the same dude who'll tee you up for spiking the ball with a minute left to go. But everyone kept level heads and came out with an impressive win. What were y'all's takeaways? Uh, I really think it's just a testament to how great of a coach Bruce is. You know, normally when you're – Senior, who is your program's career leader in wins, goes down and is going to be out for a couple of games. And then you play on the road in the SEC. I know it was Georgia, but it's still a road game in the SEC. Uh, you expect a drop-off, without a doubt. And we looked amazing. One by 21 points. Guys stepped up. Uh, our scheme, I thought our defensive scheme was great. Uh, it's just a testament to how great our coaching staff is to get our guys prepared to go into Georgia and not have a drop off. So I was that's that's the biggest takeaway for me is just that if Bruce can get our guys prepared for that, then I think we're gonna be able to get prepared in March. Yeah, it was nice to see us put them away, you know. I think I feel like that's a game where, you know, the Auburn that we know from the past like three or so years, we would have struggled in that game and it, and it could have been a very losable game at that. Um, and Mike White has a uh, very good history against Auburn. So it, it's just good to see uh, we won by 19 or 21, excuse me. Um, so, yeah, top to bottom, great game. Uh, turned the ball over a little more than I would have liked and, and kind of had some issues with fouling. Um, and, I mean, I'm not going to point the finger at the refs ever, but there were some questionable calls, I thought. But, um, you know, it, it's awesome to see it, you know, whenever you – Shoot sixty-two percent from the field and fifty-three from three. You know that, that's uh, that's a winning recipe, and uh, that while that is awesome, that also scares me about Wednesday. But we'll talk about that later. But yeah, overall, great game. Love to see Aiden finding that stroke again. Uh, thought he was going to do it in Kentucky against Kentucky, but uh, 
you know, I mean, it, it seems that he's he's found it. Hopefully, this is sustained and not just, you know, a, a one-time thing. And how about Channing Johnson, too? 16 points, really good production. Chad obviously did his thing. Uh, he was playing with a chip on his shoulder, which I love. I love to see some guys, you know, step up and uh, kind of – they're kind of out of their comfort zone right now. Um, they're asked to do a little bit more than they are usually. But I think that's great. I'm not saying, you know – the absence of Jalen Williams is good at all. It's not, but it, it is good to see some guys just step up. And I like that y'all mentioned, or Jack more specifically, Bruce Pearl, when you have this extra week off, I want to call it a bye week. It's kind of weird how the schedule aligned there where there's no week game. But a disappointment last Saturday followed up by just everyone knowing their role. There's definitely some adjustments were made, and you had to adjust when you are playing without Jalen Williams and throughout Bruce's tenure, and even at Tennessee, you've seen Bruce team step up when a man goes down. Like the obviously the first one that comes to mind is when Chuma went down. And I think it's sort of like a rallying cry, and that's a testament to the leader for sure. And then now let's look forward to Tuesday, a place that Auburn has struggled a little bit at the past couple years, been close but no cigar. Especially last year, I still remember that play. I mean, you can flip a coin on that foul, but we were toe to toe with the number two team in the country on the road. I think that it's a lot more winnable game than a lot of people are making it out to be just due to like how the conference is going. And also, I think Tennessee is kind of a good matchup for us, dare I say. Uh, yes and no. I like our guards over Tennessee's guards, personally. Uh, I just I don't like Vescovy at all. But I think Donknecht is going to give us a little bit of an issue, and I'm worried because without Jalen, right. just that 3-4 spot, we're kind of thin at. And, you know, we did get great production from them Saturday. But uh, it's still going to be worried when you're guarding, you know, who I think is the best player in the conference. So it'll, be, it'll definitely be interesting. You know, we're going to have to shoot the ball well. Definitely can't go. We're definitely not going to win if we go out there and shoot 28 to 30% from three. So That's what I fear. I mean, there's kind of a trend going um, since – the Alabama game on February 7th, we dropped 99 against Alabama. Then we follow up with a 65-point uh, perf- performance against Florida and lose. And then we follow that up, 101-point performance against South Carolina. Then we follow that up with 59-point goose egg against Kentucky. So if that trend continues, uh, it'll it'll be an ugly night for the Tigers. But, I mean, this game just means more. I mean, the the dare I say a little – rivalry uh Rick Barnes and, and Bruce Pearl have together I, I I'm looking forward to it it's Wednesday night by the way not Tuesday night um but yeah this this sh- I, I think Auburn smells blood in the water uh we have not forgotten the the game two years ago the 43 to 46 game I believe we we're in New Orleans were we not during that game we were we, yeah so oh, yeah we were yeah we were um yeah so I, I don't think there's some guys on this team that were on that team, and uh, they surely have not forgotten. I hope not. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to it. Um, like like Jack said, I, I think the absence of Jalen Williams will hurt, especially defensively. It'll be interesting to see what we do with Dalton Connect. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think Auburn is the deeper team. I think we're deeper than most teams, uh, if not all of them, that we play in the SEC. So um, you, you can't disregard that at all. So the thing I've noticed about Connect is like when you see 
the games he's been the most successful. It's usually when you have a smaller guard on him because he's a he's a pretty tall dude. What is he like six seven? Yeah, I, he's, I a say. Bit, he's big. Yeah, fella. so he's able to pull up and use his body to really. He's a grown man, and there's not a lot of grown man teams in the SEC, but Auburn's one of them. Auburn has probably the same age average around the same as Tennessee, and you throw like a big body like Cheney or Chris Moore on him, that could maybe throw him off compared to when I watched him play against Kentucky and he had Reed Shepard on him, who's 6'2", maybe a buck 70 on a good day. That's a big difference between a 22-year-old man and a 19-year-old kid guarding you, and it's uh, something that we haven't seen yet from Connect. And also, before we dive in more to this game, I'm looking at the SEC standings right now. So right now, after Saturday, after Kentucky beat Alabama, Tennessee's at one, Bama's at two, Carolina at three, and Auburn at four. So if we beat Tennessee, that kind of puts Bama back at one. Has anyone thought about that? Does that matter? I don't think that matters. Right now, I'm just focused on us. We, If we want to win the SEC, we need to win this game. We just need the rest of the SEC to take care of business. If you look, Bama has a very hard schedule left. They still have to play Tennessee and they play at Florida still. So they there's definitely games for them to drop. Uh, but going back to the Connect conversation, one thing I will say this I love about us going into this matchup defensively is that our two through four in certain scenarios can switch off on him, and I'm okay, I'm okay with them guarding. I mean, Denver's 6-4. I just looked it up, Connect 6-6. So not a crazy oversized matchup. We can switch. You know, He's not going to get absolutely cooked there. And then Chad and – uh, Chris Moore can both guard him, and I think Chaney can as well. So it'll definitely be interesting. And I, you know, we've been very good at switching off the pick and rolls and uh, ball hand, you know, handoffs. So we'll be able to switch and kind of defend. So it, we're just we need to make sure that Tennessee is forcing other players to make plays. Exactly. I think you can you can give Connect his twenty five, but I I think it ultimately depends on you know defending guys like uh, Ziegler and Vescovy and those. The supporting cast, I you know, I mean, um, I mean, looking at the the South Carolina game, I think uh, the one that South Carolina won on the road against Tennessee. I mean, it connects still at thirty one, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. So keeping the other guys at bay will be huge. But um, back to like the standings, me and somebody else were breaking this down today. Um, we're gonna need a lot of help for sure. Um, I think our only shot is to win out. Um, if we were to go, if we were to drop this game. And say go three and one the rest of the year, then we we need theoretically Tennessee to lose to Bama and or Bama or Kentucky and drop at South Carolina. We need Bama to lose at Florida and um I forget who else they have to. We need some. I mean, it would be a crazy scenario. We'd have to be co champions with probably Tennessee and Alabama, but um. I think Auburn definitely out of the top four SEC teams right now, Tennessee, Alabama, South Carolina, Auburn. Auburn absolutely has the the easiest road ahead. I know it's only four games, but, I mean, there's just, like, Alabama's schedule at the end is brutal. Um, So, I mean, I would love to see us be co-champions the regular season, but more than anything, I just want to see us, you know, end on the right note, beat some of these teams that we, like, are, you know, supposed to beat and beat them handedly and – Going to SEC play with a, with a healthy squad and and uh, hopefully make some make a little run make some magic happen in March. And I'm back to the standings. I think this is the first time I've seen in a while where there's six teams and maybe seven. I know that state they would need an absolute miracle 
to have a piece of the pie there at the end of the year. But there's six teams that have a shot at the share. Has th- this is the most diverse and the most roller coaster we've seen in the SEC. There's not been one clear cut favorite, and people have been giving Alabama their flowers. But on Saturday, that might have been the worst defensive basketball team, and this includes that same Kentucky team they played. That was the worst defensive performance I've ever seen by a college basketball team in the history, maybe in the history of basketball. It was unbelievable to watch. Uh, Kentucky looked like they could go out and beat the Pistons or Wizards right now, uh, the way they shot the ball. So it's a I'll, little bit of both. I love what Nate Oates said after the game. He was like, yeah, we knew going into the game, like there were some question marks uh, about our defense. And he was like, those question marks are a race. Like we just don't play defense. People know it. <laughs> so I thought that was hilarious. I don't know if he was low-key throwing his players under the bus or if he was taking account- accountability. I'm not really sure. Uh, by that comment, but I, I thought that was pretty funny. I think that's him more molding into what we talked about off air maybe last week that he might be the Urban Meyer of college basketball. Funky new, fast paced system on offense, just dud, uh, not really charismatic guy, just a mixture of the two thrown into one ball coach. And I think that's something that Urban definitely did back in his days in Florida. Would you agree? Yes. Yeah. I'd say so. But Tennessee, I think, they, they control their own destiny to win it outright. Mm-hmm. And everyone else needs something to happen, but there's still just a lot up in the air. But thank goodness, I know we've been all throughout the year complaining about the officials or whatever in the SEC, how I, mainly me and Garber saying that may hinder teams in the tournament. But boy, I don't know if y'all have watched some Big Ten ball recently. Please watch like Purdue or someone play. The SEC is actually an exciting conference to watch. I think the SEC and Big East are the two most exciting conferences to watch, hands down. The Big Ten, oh my goodness, is just it. It's it is hard, it's hard to watch. <laughs> but I will say the flip side, the flip of the other side of the coin is I think the Pac-12 is harder to watch just because they don't have the fan involvement that a lot of the Big Ten schools do. Like at least they show up and the atmosphere is there. Whether or not the quality of play is. But the atmosphere is fair. That that Ohio State Michigan State game yesterday was a great game. It was Indiana is poor as they've been. Uh, they still, I mean, they always pack out. Yeah, they're simply. they're one of the uh, I would say founding fathers of what why basketball is what it is today. When you think of basketball, you think of like Hoosiers or like old school basketball, cornball. Um, the ACC is also rough to watch. Oh my, that that uh, Virginia North Carolina game. Ugly. I think if you threw McGill and Mountainbrook out there for 20 minute halves, they put up more points with no shot clock. Would you I, agree? I would say there's there'd be more points scored for sure. The three point ball would have been shot a little better. Yeah. Well, there's still a lot of time left to go in the season. And speaking of uh, fun atmospheres, I don't think I've told you all this yet, but I'll be going to Starkville tomorrow. May talk about that a little later. But we're are just going to go. You're going to make a pit stop in uh, West Alabama. In the city that never sleeps, or Tuscaloosa? No, sort of. On the, I had Madison on my mind. Nah, maybe nah, stop no. at beat up, see the carry on statue. Is that not? Yeah, it's not a good try, bud. If you go through Huntsville and you are taking the scenic route, yeah, <laughs> might, might as well. I mean, it's basically the Vegas of the southeast, but it's <laughs> probably a good time to take a break. We'll be back shortly. And welcome back, Barnes Before Bed, episode 39. 
For those of you just joining, we just got done breaking down a little bit of the SEC standings, and this is a good time to rotate into one of the more heated debates in Taco Mama history, where I found myself as the guy, uh, I don't know what movie, it's some Disney movie, y'all know like the Aladdin looking dude with all the knives pointed at him? That's how I felt this past Friday. In the a good old fashioned, what would you rather win? The SEC, or any conference for that matter. Actually, no. Let's go Power 5 because if you're in like the A-Sun, you would obviously much rather win your conference tournament because it's kind of irrelevant if you win the regular season because there's still a chance you wouldn't make it. But if you're in the Power 5, would you rather have your team win the conference tournament or regular season tournament? And let's start, let's say it's November 1st and I ask you this question. For me, I don't think there's any debate, and I'm standing on business once again, the regular season tournament, if you tell me before the year starts that my team wins my conference's regular season tournament as a Power 5 team, that means we're probably a top four seed. Whereas in the tournament, you could be anywhere. Like Arkansas could win the, the SEC tournament and have a magical and be a 12 seed. Ole Miss, a few year, or not a few years ago, wow, it was probably a decade ago, decade and a couple years ago, with Marshall Henderson and them won it all, and they were a 9-10 seed. And then a few years before, over in Atlanta in that iconic SEC tournament, Georgia came out of nowhere and won it. Couldn't tell you what seed they were. Couldn't tell you what they did in the tournament because it probably wasn't anything. I think the regular season tournament means way more. Jack, the floor is yours. Go ahead. So this kind of stems – I'll give a little backstory to why I think this. So first off, I think the I would much rather win the tournament. Uh, but go back to eighth grade, CYO basketball. My team went – 8-0 and won the regular season, and then we lost in the championship game of the tournament by like six, and I could not care less about the regular season tournament because I just wanted to win the regular the, – or couldn't care less about the regular season because I wanted to win the tournament. And that has fueled my passion for the SEC tournament and other conference tournaments since then because also what you see a lot of is teams that win the conference tournament go on to do well in March and because you get a hot streak running like – the first team that comes to my mind was Kimball Walker and UConn. You know, there's a great YouTube video called uh, The 11-Game Run to Become Immortal, and it talks about the UConn team that wasn't projected to win the Big East at the time, and they go on a run and just have an awesome championship team. And so I think of that, and I just think that it carries so much weight going into March that it's you got as a, as a player, you got to want to win the tournament more because it's just setting yourself up for – more success in the in March. Uh, here's where I'll counter with that. It's for a team. It's a lot harder, and we're talking to win the national championship, right? There's only been one team that's won their conference tournament and the national title in the same year, and it's UConn, who's the ultimate exception to everything. They're the exception to net Ken Palm. They just win fluke. I don't even want to call them fluky. Because they end up playing the best. Thing. It's just out of nowhere titles, which they have three of them. And they're the only Are ones. Are you sure on that stat? Yes. Because I'm pretty sure there's a stat where if you would have won your conference tournament or, or like all champ, like whatever, a certain percentage of the champions have either won their conference tournament or their tournament at the beginning of the season. I can go through the list. And let's even go to the SEC. Besides Auburn, since 2010, besides Auburn and a couple Kentucky teams, no SEC tournament champion has gone to the Final Four. And just think about it. Bama last year, Sweet 16. The year before, Tennessee, round of 32. 
Bama again the year before, Sweet 16. Then it was Auburn. And then Kentucky, Sweet 16. Kentucky the year before, Elite Eight. Round of 32. It's a lot harder to piece together six to four wins in a row rather than that added on three extra games or whatever you were doing in the regular season two, winning 10, 11, 12 games in a row. That is why I do not lose sleep over the conference tournament if I'm safely in. Now, let's say you're on the bubble, right? You're on the bubble. you got to do well to get in. But if you're already in, I really think it's just exhibition games to get you ready for the big... I, you still want to win it. It's a, it's a great tournament. Your fans travel... Like I don't want, if I'm a fan and I pay money, I want my team to win. Like I don't want us to lose, but if we lose, I don't lose sleep over it. That's fair. Uh, also, Kansas won the Natty and their tournament champion two years ago. Uh, and I'm, I'm almost confident there's more. So I, well, I, I your, like, Duke won their conference tournament. And Virginia ended up winning the Natty. That's a big one that comes to mind too, because Duke was the most talented team in the country, hands down. It, especially for younger teams, too, it's a lot harder to piece those together. I think it's just added games, and especially in the SEC. This is what the most ridiculous thing the SEC does in both football and basketball. And Greg Sankey, I still can't believe you do this. Why don't we play our championship game on Saturday, like a normal conference? By the time our championship game is over, the bracket is completed. So if you are a, let's say you're battling for a seed with another team. Let's say it was Auburn and Tennessee, and we beat Tennessee it doesn't matter because we are still going to be the same seed. It's just get to Sunday. I agree. It's uh, I, I don't know when it's going to get changed, but I just can't see how it will never be changed. So eventually I think we'll get to that. But it is, it's so dumb because there's just no point. As a coach, I mean, I guess playing for pride is always a thing and playing for a championship is big. But because the way the SEC is, it's almost smarter to just like sit it out not get injured like there's that that mentality can creep in when the game doesn't matter towards seeding I wouldn't necessarily go there I would say if you get the Sunday is the biggest thing for an SEC team that's competing for a top four seed it's I really and then once you get there you want to win it it's a tricky like teeter-totter of yes we want to win it for our fans and our program it's a trophy you still cut down the nets but in all reality in terms of the bigger picture and the big dance it means zero and I think it honestly may hurt you having those three days in a row and then having what four days rest you can play on Thursday be one of the opening games on Thursday that's maybe 72 hours of rest following a three or four day week and we we talk about that 2019 Auburn team that won. they were a free throw away from losing to New Mexico State people forget about that too and I believe that it had a little bit of a hangover from the SEC tournament that's something to think about as well I mean, I guess there's that, but I just don't see how you would. Like, I look at Auburn two years ago, who just kind of, what, we won the regular season and we just faded away. I think you just want to be, like, confident in yourself being like, okay, we're peaking. We're peaking at the right time by winning our tournament and going into March. I just feel like the mindset and the confidence in your ability to win it all is just so much greater if you win the tournament championship over the conference, over the regular season championship. Yes. And the question is, would you rather win the SEC regulars win the SEC regular season or tournament title. So if I'm a fan, give me give me the tournament title for sure. I don't I don't think I don't think there's much debate to that. That is the, the SEC tournament is exciting. 
it's it, it's tournament play. It's it's a, it's a appetizer for March Madness. So I think you absolutely would rather, as a fan, your team win the tournament uh, rather than the regular season title. Now, if I'm Bruce Pearl, uh, and the Auburn Tigers sitting, you know, in all likelihood, like probably not going to be a co-champion in the regular season. I'm kind of on the outside looking in at the four spot. I. I still think that winning the tournament is more invaluable than winning the regular season because, to Jack's point, I think it's very valid to say that uh, and that that team from two years ago is a testament to this and the 2018-19 team is a testament to this. You want to be peaking at the right time. Basketball is a game of – people say basketball is a game of runs. It The same is true of, you know, like we say that during the game, you know, like, uh, you know. Game of runs. I think that's true also in your regular season and postseason. You know, you want to get hot at the right time. I mean, for God's sakes, Auburn's 2018-2019 team had nine losses going into the tournament, the SEC tournament, and just went on an absolute tear. So I think from a fan's perspective and if I'm Bruce Pearl, i I rather win the tournament than win the regular season. Which is more impressive? That's a different question. What's more impressive is the regular season, without a doubt, 100%. Right? Yeah, 100%. And it also, I think in now in the SEC, if you win the regular season, if you are somehow anything below a three seed, that is insane. Whereas, let's say this year, Florida wins the SEC tournament, they're probably still a seven or eight. Would you, ra- okay, would you rather win the SEC if just everything involved – would you rather crazy stuff happens in the tournament, right? You were a two seed in 2022 and don't think about what happened. Where were you more confident 2022 as a two seed or in 2019 as a five seed? I was way more confident in that 2022 Auburn team and they're an anomaly than the team that won the conference tournament. I'm just not sure about that. I'm not hundred percent sure either. And my reasoning is I just remember all of us being, and you know, at the beach watching that game, and just the sinking feeling in my stomach during the SEC championship when we lost, or in the SEC tournament when we lost, as in, you know, we might. I think we've seen our peak. Like, yeah. I just, I'm, I just was. I think part Maybe. of me was quietly praying that we just would at least make a Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, going into the NCAA tournament, I mean, I was way more confident in the 2018-19 team than I was the team two years ago. But after that round of 64 game. I'm having second guesses about that 18-19 team, you know, obviously. Uh, not the case with Jabari and all that. And we, we showed up, beat the hell out of Jacksonville State, and, and looked good. Um, so, but, yeah, I mean, once once the round of 32 came around, obviously we lost the round of 32 two years ago. But, yeah, I was certainly more confident going into the NCAA tournament with that 18-19 team. Here, I'm going to paint you all another picture. What – 2010 Kentucky wins a thriller in the SEC title, right? We celebrate like it was, it was 1999. It would go in berserk, end up choking in the Elite Eight. Two years later, Anthony Davis and them lose in the conference tournament final to Vanderbilt. And that alone rallied them to the point where they went on a dominant run in the tournament. I think that just pressure relieved of, oh, we could only win six games, four to six games in a row to get to where we want to be rather than the 10 or 12 added on, I think that really 
plays a factor into because it's hard to win those number of games in a row. Like how many teams win ten plus games in a row in college basketball in a season? That's a hard thing to accomplish. I really do believe if if your team is affected by losing in the conference tournament, you were going to win it all anyways, right? And the regular season, the seeding matters so much at the end of the day, and just getting one of those top three seeds is really one of the more crucial things. I think that is why I value the regular season tournament a hundred times more. I have a little statistic for you. I'm on a, Make it quick because we yeah, have to go to break. NCAA.com, looking at every uh, national champion, how they did in their respective conference tournaments that year. Not a single champion didn't make it to at least the semifinals in their conference tournaments. And I'm looking, and the vast majority just won outright. Uh, more than 50%, I would say, with 2014 and 2017 is a bit of an anomaly, but for the most part, you know, winning matters. Winning that tournament matters, for sure. Well, I mean, winning in general does matter, but I just think it's a pressure reliever. But on that note, we're going to take a quick break. If you're tuned in, let us know on Twitter what you think, at B 4 with the number 4 bed. Love to hear some other opinions. Let's see if I'm alone in this matter, just me and Ank and Brant spewing out hot takes, but... On that note, we're going to take a quick break, come back, and uh, talk a little NCAA football video game, shall we? Let's do it. See you all back shortly. And welcome back. Barners Before Bed, episode 39, Monday, February 26. And, wow, I'll throw in some brain tokens. So when does February end again this year? What's the leap day? Is that the 28th or 29th? 29th. 29th. So we are almost three days away from the greatest sports month of the year, in my opinion. It's just such a great time of the year. But before we get there, there's some other big news in the college sports world. As my childhood is officially back, the NCAA video game is once again returning to consoles across America and across the world with their little teaser released, I believe, the day after our most recent episode it really warmed my heart almost brought a tear to my eye seeing that stitch being posted with the 25 and the uh the little line marker switch from 14 to 25 so i'm gonna ask you guys this to start off who do y'all think should be on the cover i would like to see just i think the fairest way to go about it and the most likely way to go about it is taking just a bunch of the power five mascots like a mat like a the mascot mashup graphics that they would have and just being like something similar to that. Graham? Uh, Nick Saban, I fear. And I agree with you. My one hope is that it's not Dion and Shador. I feel like that's just so unnecessary. If I was them, here's what I would go. I would go Saban as front and center as a tribute to one of the greatest ever, if not the. And then on the side of him, like make it like a multi-person cover. Pay tribute to the guys who would have been on the cover in years past, but weren't because there wasn't a game. Throw in a Trevor Lawrence. Throw in a Joe Burrow. Throw in, I don't know, Baker. Johnny. Johnny played during the NCAA yeah, video game I, era. I guess that's true. But I guess, like, technically he couldn't be on the – they're not going to throw – all right, let's just be – they're not going to throw in Johnny. Like, that yeah. would be such a bad <laughs> PR play. That would be like, what What? What would be the worst – they go Johnny, like, Muschamp, and, like, Deshaun, Urban. Do, like, Deshaun Watson. And- okay, all right, easy. <laughs> now it's time to move on. Okay. But <laughs> um, who, who are some other names 
possibly. I bet oh, they're so gonna put Dion. They're gonna have something on there with them. I can see them throwing like Dion, a few mascots, maybe maybe Kirby. I mean, he's won two natties. If they throw in, yeah, the worst good. would be like a Dabo Nick Saban Shador cover. <laughs> but I'm so excited for this game. The first thing I'm going to do is make a dynasty with Auburn, put Griffin Speaks as a 99 overall, throw him at quarterback, and then just route everyone. Have this college football playoff at Jordan-Hare. Hopefully draw like a Notre Dame or someone someone tantalizing. When is and the it, release date of this video game, by the way? When, uh, July, I believe. Yeah, that's what when we were younger, it was like a month before Madden came out. Yeah, I'm just going to make uh, like Peyton Thorne 99 overall and just like fantasize about that so we're, we're talking about, about this but it is a game that is only available on next gen consoles so i can confidently say now bookmark it my first purchase as a salaried employee in the real world will be a next generation console in this video game. i mean might as well put that on your signing bonus be like just take away 300 dollars <laughs> and have a ps5 waiting for me <laughs> i can't wait for that too the thing about like i, I know uh, they'll have like an ultimate team or some sort of online dynasty. That'll be a great way to keep up with you guys too. That was my whole thing, and there's there's definitely the crowd that says after college it's time to hang it up. But, what uh, gaming? Yeah, but and I I agree with to an extent, but I don't think you understand those people don't understand the severity of this game coming back to our generation. So I'm pumped. I can't wait. I'm counting down the days. Well, I actually want to disagree there. The first thing I'm doing is making a or the second thing after that Auburn dynasty is making a. Graham Copeland, Road to Glory, Randolph, quarterback. Yep. Think about making you Triple six option. four. Yeah, like a like a vanilla Cam Newton, if you will. Mm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, without the uh, camp fights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that was. Yeah. I feel bad for Cam. Shout out I I hate how that's literally like the amount of time. I mean, that's the second time that's been documented that like high schoolers are chirping Cam Newton. Yeah. What is it? Like what? Like put some respect on the man's name. I know they were like. Literally, like, seven years old when he was in college. But, like, if and only, like, if only they like, knew him. Only, like, 13 when he yeah, won an MVP. If only if only they knew. Man. <laughs> what would be, like, the basketball comparison of that? Would you ever go to, like, a Psycho T, like, skills camp and start chirping him? Can <laughs> you imagine how that would turn out? <laughs> a Meta World Peace skills camp? Oh, boy, boy, good luck with that. But uh, back to what we were talking about. There's probably going to be a, a well-known player on there. And in football, it's a lot easier to market players, I feel like. It's a lot more mar- – it's because in college basketball, the guys are there for one year. And I think the epitome of a high-marketable college athlete is a returning Heisman winner. And now I think the number one, besides maybe like the Livy Dunn or Bronny, is Caitlin Clark. So I want to sort of detour this to basketball. Who in your lifetime, or even right now, would you say are the most famous or marketable college basketball players? And for me, my categories are, you're the son of a very famous player or person, a la Bronny. You are a returning Wooden Award winner, Zach Eady. I don't even think he's like really one of those guys. Or you're just so big market, not even big market, you're box office. Like Jimmer was box office. So are you talking about current players or players in the past that were just anyone that comes to mind? Like I don't really think besides Bronny and maybe Zach Eady, I think there's no one really box office of I'm going to go watch that guy play. Like right now, maybe Rob Dillingham. 
reach out? No. Okay. That was a stretch. Uh, are you talking about this year or like uh, since 2000? Since, since you've been what? alive, man. Like, I'll oh, give you easily. some of mine that come to mind. Like, oh, oh, yeah. It, also, you are a generational NBA talent. Like, Zion was the first yeah. one that came to mind. There was a Zion cam at the tournament. Lonzo Ball. Lonzo, definitely. The, the coverage that that dude got. Steph Curry. Yeah, but I would throw Steph under the famous NBA player. I don't even know how famous. Steph Curry got huge. Well, Del Curry, the reason also and, was yeah, the Del factor. But also the fact that he just went on a freaking tear. Yeah, March. he was. A st- he had LeBron James showing up with his flip phone videoing him. Yeah, but so did Doug Eater. But if Doug Eater had an NBA dad, we'd still be hearing about him. <laughs> That's probably um, I would also throw in a John Wall. He had like LeBron, Drake, and those guys coming to watch him play. I don't know how much you're going to like this one. Uh, Austin Rivers would have been. Uh, he's Doc's kid. Yeah, I know. So NIL. This is what you're, yeah, you're been, saying that yeah, has a yeah. famous it, parent. No, I agree. Been, it would I agree. have been all over NIL to get Austin Rivers. I think if Oklahoma was a lot better, Trey Young, even though he's still got tons of cut, co- he was box office. He was very Without box doubt, office. I was tuning in for his games. Yeah. Yeah. Kimba was really made as I feel like he became a super household name in the tournament. Right, I agree with that. Think about like the all around year coverage. Like Zion, the moment he stepped foot at Duke, you saw cameras everywhere. Billis and them were on his game every single night, without a doubt. <laughs> Kenny Gabriel, what? <laughs> Frankie Sullivan. Just naming all I mean, the players. Someone, if, honestly, though, if someone like Sharif got a normal year, he was a very famous high school player. Yeah. It just that was just unfortunate how it worked. Shout out, out. to Bro getting the uh the ten day with the Cavs. Hey, by let's the way. go. Big time. Uh, yeah. speaking of like Cavs, Auburn, well Coro, yeah, he's doing well, right? Yeah, he's yeah. Been, what about Icy? He's on the summer league team. Is he is out in playing Europe? in Europe, I believe. Gotcha. Yes. I know for a fact he is. He's also playing well too. I think I saw his debut, he had like thirty plus. Yeah. Um, uh, ooh, a another category of I don't even think these guys are necessarily box office, but people that get coverage are your guys who are at high market programs for four years and therefore become hateable. Basically, every Duke guard ever: Kyle Singler, Grayson Allen, JJ Redick, and then you got the guys like Joakim Noah who stay and win. Those dudes are up there for the box office guys. Mm-hmm. I bet. I honestly think like. Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield is like a package duo. Dude, you weren't like sitting on a Tuesday. It's like, oh, I got to watch Grant Williams. But that Tennessee team. Was I love that so, Tennessee yeah, team. That team was they so had uh, uh, Jordan Bone, too. Is yeah, that his they, name? Okay, they were like the least box office team. They were boring. They weren't box office. I just they don't think fun. you appreciate good basketball. Yeah, they weren't boring. Hey, I mean, they, like, that was just a that's... hoops junkie, like basketball Benny take. Like, yeah, they played the right way, sort of thing. <sighs> okay, whatever. They weren't like showstoppers. No, but it was just good basketball. It was fun to watch. That uh, they had great names. That 2015 year, that 2015-2016 year had a just back to back of like high power guys. Where you had like D'Lo at Ohio State, you had that Kentucky team with all those NBA dudes, and then Okafor and them were very box office. And then all, the next year, Ben Simmons got a ton of coverage because he was like deemed the next LeBron for yeah. a little bit. Uh, Jabari. Or, I mean, Andrew Wiggins. Would yeah, have that's a good one. Was, was uh, Ben Simmons a Maple Will Wade Mamba? guy? No, it was a. Uh, because oh, I'm was trying man. to figure, like, how, like, why LSU? Shaq. Is that it? No, I don't think it was Shaq. I don't think Shaq really before. cares. Shaq cares more about LSU women's basketball than he does men's. Well, when Keith Hornsby is on the squad, that's a guy you want to play with. That's a dude I'd want on my five he any day awesome. of the week. Yeah. What was his? His dad was part of a big band, like a rock band. It's a weird fact to know. 
Well, I mean, Trey, people forget Trey Mason's dad was part of De La Soul. That's a weird one to remember, too. What are that guy's doing? Oh, yeah, I hope he's uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, feeling for bro. <laughs> but back to the point, there's, I mean, we can go down the line. In football, I mean, think of it. Johnny, Tebow, Cam, like the box office dudes that you, you're like, oh, this. even Caleb Williams last year when I heard USC was playing, it's Pac-12 after dark. I'm like, I want to watch them play. Would you agree? It was like, Lamar, oh, my goodness. Yeah, lots. Yeah. Think about what about um think about the top picks. And this is maybe a lot of college basketball guys aren't really as box office anymore because the top pro guys are playing elsewhere. They're coming from Europe. Now that the one and done sort of dying out. When the one and done I guess Derek Rose when he was at Memphis, that was a that was a big one. They were a great team. He was electric. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mario Chalmers. Was he box office? I know he hit that big uh, shot. I don't, I, I don't really remember, I don't remember much. Remember. Mario like, uh, seven. Trey Burke was kind of box office. That Michigan. Team. Oh yeah. yeah, they were box office. I, I think you. There's also the. That's a good point too. Is the tournament guys, the guys that make their name in the. the I love a good I mean, March. Pool. Pool yeah, Jordan Poole. It's already talked about Steph Curry. Is there a more underappreciated run in basketball, especially in our lifetime, than that Villanova run? Like, it kind of got overshadowed due to, like, yeah. the Warriors' success a little bit. I would say so. That team, like, I mean, they just were so much fun to watch. And they, so many guys are successful in the league. I mean, it's teams. basically the New York Knicks now, minus yeah. Mikel Bridges. Like, that team was really, really With uh, Dante and that team? Well, they had, nope. No, it was Brunson, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Josh Hart, uh, Dante DiVincenzo. The, the Pascal dude who played for the Warriors for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Eric Pascal. Who was the dude who hit the big shot against Carolina? Chris, Chris Jenkins. Jenkins. Yeah. That, that was an awesome, awesome, awesome game. What a year 2016 was for, for sports, right? Like, it was like everything. Yeah, it was everything just, was pretty amazing. awesome 2016. We need, we need one of the, like, even music was better. Yeah. Was, everything just, I don't know. We kind of became Started less. Started driving cool. a car. Oh, I yeah. forgot how old you are. Yeah. Spring break, sophomore year. I don't oh, yeah, go any further than that. Why? It's like one of those hot tub time machine type memories. I mean, you <laughs> feel free to talk, man. It's one of those ask anything Mondays. No. All right. I'll elaborate. Well, before we have hear a weird story from Mello, let's take a break. How about that? So we'll come back, wrap things up, maybe with a little game. But what a night here on Barners. We'll be back shortly. And welcome back, Barnes Before Bed, episode 39. We're going to wrap things up here once again by looking forward to March. Hopefully this is going to be, we're going to at least have one segment previewing March until April at this point, I feel like. But, I mean, is there anything better? I feel like basketball, especially for guys like us, is the ultimate just kickback, name random players, name random memories. So, or what we're about to do, throw out some hot takes. And this is a year you can throw out some hot takes. Steaming hot takes and not be looked like as an idiot. I think that's the great thing about March. You can say the most insane thing and not really look like like a fool because it, most years, like your grandma wins your bracket pool. Like it's the most just random thing ever, and that's why it's awesome. But Jack, you wanted to do this, so I'll let you kick things off. What is your hot take? So this is scolding hot, and I think it's going to happen. So it's a two parter. I think. Duke is somehow going to end up as like the number like five overall seed. I think they're going to like somehow do well in the ACC tournament and just get the number. They're going to be the best two seed, and then I just see them losing in the round of thirty-two immediately. Yeah, and uh, a good thing for them they so can't storm the court. Basically, in March. what they did last year. 
Yeah, but basically with, what they coach, do almost yeah. every year. I mean, I could, I really think they could potentially end up somehow with like if they just play well to finish the season, they're going to get like a one seed somehow. What? I, if they win the ACC, they're going to get a one seed. I still think Arizona, Purdue, Houston, and Houston, assuming they take and care and of UConn business. I mean, edge, yeah. Air- oh, Purdue's just so fraudulent, man. I, I just. They they go up again. If, like if you're let's say if if you're Alabama and you're like a three or two, I would do everything for Purdue to be my one. I really think they are the most vulnerable one, and I want them as my one. I think Arizona's pretty vulnerable as well. I don't want to play UConn and I don't want to play Houston because Houston just plays like us, but they're better at it. I just feel like Houston's just one. There's one of those teams just knocking on the door too. Like they're very due. They are due. like Kelvin Sampson is due. Yeah. They're the not the new Gonzaga because now they're in the Big Twelve. But like Gonzaga was due for all those years and finally broke through the Final Four. I know Houston made one. I think it was COVID, but I, I still think they are due. What are some sleeper teams out there that people really haven't been talking about that you would say? Like I, I feel like people will count out Baylor and then you'll see like a sneaky Baylor Elite Eight run out of yeah. nowhere. Baylor's good. We were talking yeah. about that Saturday. I, yeah, I like I like Baylor uh this year. Can I interject real quick? I this bracket is awesome that I'm looking at right now. It's uh ESPN. It's Joe Lenardi's uh and it was updated 3 days ago. And like just some of the matchups, like the play-in games are electric. Like you have 11 Seton Hall versus 11 Gonzaga and then 12 Providence versus 12 Texas A&M. That's freaking awesome. It also has Auburn playing App State rematch game. Ooh, round wow. of 64. So that would be electric. Uh, you got also just really cool games like, like like no one's safe. Like you have like six Colorado State versus eleven South Florida. South Florida is one of the hottest teams, you know, in in G five basketball, uh, or not G five, but non non P six. We got uh, it. Yeah, several several intriguing matchups. I just hope we don't get Samford. That would suck. Um, it would be awesome to play App State again. But uh, I digress. Keep oh, going. Oh man, no, Sanford would be the worst draw for any team. That'd be just because you know a coach like Bucky, who's like Brad Stevens reincarnated. Like, just imagine also like you're down like a point to Sanford, and then Chan Chan hits a dagger. Yeah, right. <laughs> like <laughs> Janey's grill. <laughs> Lenardi <laughs> has Sanford at twelve, playing five Texas Tech, and those cannot be like two more polar opposite teams. That would be fun. Well, I can also and already the thing see. is with Bucky, like you we kind of picked up on it with some guys that played for him in high school, but he will like as soon as that is announced, I think there's a good chance he doesn't sleep till that game yeah. tips off because he is going to watch every single second of film he can and he's going to get his guys prepared. Like he's I mean, think of like I mean, when we were seniors in high school, he took, you know, he took Mountain Brook down and beat an IMG team with like three NBA yep. players. On okay, him. I really don't want to talk about Alabama high school. I know, basketball. but I'm just saying okay, we guy, don't want to talk about Kentucky basketball yeah. either. I mean, no, I mean that's that's just, part of no, the SEC about, standings yeah, here. Just, what is the we're talking I, about a tournament I, teams I, coach I, who's proven himself to? Be I digress. Able to play we, we're talking about hot takes. I just wanted to talk about this awesome bracket in front of me. There's also like Dayton versus McNeese State. They're on 64 electric. Anyways, is, Jack, uh, Jack, did I interrupt you during your hot takes? No, I just think that. Trey couldn't follow what I was saying there is the fact that Bucky can get his guys to play up. And so I think whoever he plays, he's winning the first round of the tournament. I hope you're wrong because I got Texas Tech going deep. I know you mm. do. But to play devil's advocate here, using high school runs as 
a equalizer for him to go on a tournament run in D1 basketball. I mean, look at Penny Hardaway. He was like the best AAU high school coach for all those years, and then Memphis is a walking disaster. So mm-hmm. it, something to keep in mind as well. But I agree with you. From what I've seen of Sanford and people talking about Bucky, he is a coach that will be around forever. And it gives off a Brad Stevens type feel. And also someone to keep an eye out for a certain job in Alabama once a coach might go to the NBA. There mm-hmm. I say. Mm-hmm. Been hearing about that as well. I can see that as a possibility. What, what's a all right? Let's just go down the SEC. Like, what's a? Wh- wh- I don't even want to say like fraud radar. Or if, besides Auburn, and I'll take myself out of the picture here. Besides Auburn and Kentucky, and y'all can have Kentucky. I'm going to throw out Auburn and Kentucky. What team do you think will go on the furthest run of the seven tournament teams right now? I mean. Tennessee, like I just think they're so well built this year, and I think it's finally the year. Uh, I know that's the cop out take because you could argue out of outside of Auburn and Tennessee that they're the best team, uh, but they're just they're just built for March this year. I want to see how Kentucky ends the year because I mean, with the offense they have, I mean they have the pieces, they have multiple guys that that can score at, at an elite level. Um, so if, if Kentucky figures out defense or Alabama, uh, I don't think Alabama will. I think Alabama's defensive issues are just I, – I think they are who they are. And that the team Alabama has, they're good. They're kind of scary, but I, I just – they're not a tournament team. They're not a Final Four Elite Eight-level team. So I'd have to go, you know, Kentucky, if they figure out some of their – Defensive issues, Auburn, Tennessee, but it's just Rick Barnes, man. Yeah. Rick Barnes is Rick Barnes. Like, when are we going to quit kidding ourselves and just like call a spade a spade? He is who he is. I don't know. How about, hey, how about this one? So, I have Fraudar going off with South Carolina. I think if yeah. wh- whatever seed they are, they will lose in the first round. I, I will pick whatever, I, if, if, especially if it's someone like Patino. If they would draw like a St. John's, oh my, like game over. But ready for this one? And then we're going to have to wrap up right after. They got Nevada. Uh, on this bracket. How about Florida, man? They've been quiet for so long, and they have a team that competes. They have, they have height. They can shoot. They win close games. Like, they, they can – they're a team that is like a South Carolina 2017 sort of vibe, a little bit, like coming out of nowhere. We'll see. But speculation will remain for the time being as we are still in February. But it's only February, and it's almost March. And actually, or no, we will we'll be on spring break next week. So the next time, episode 40, will be previewing the SEC tournament. So get ready for that one. That'll be fun. But thank you guys for listening to us tonight. From Trey Atkins, Jack Vesey, and Graham Copeland, it's been a pleasure. Hope everyone enjoys their spring break for the Auburn students and hope everyone enjoys the wrap-up of the regular season in college basketball. And go ahead and sleep tight because we're not sleeping till May. And as always, War Eagle. <laughs>